Hello everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Trooper. I am Durga Shrikri and I am a cybersecurity professional. In this episode, we will talk to Ashwini, who is a threat modeling service owner for a technology company. She guides organizations in addressing cybersecurity problems and suggests innovative ways to design their products and applications securely. In this episode, we will understand the difference between threat modeling and threat hunting, the roles and responsibilities in threat modeling, and the difference between penetration testing, application security, and threat modeling. We will also understand the skills required to join the team, how to acquire them, and some advice from Ashwini for aspirants who plan to join the field. Thank you, Ashwini, for joining uh, CyberTrooper today. Okay, thank you for having me, Durga. Um, so uh, let's get started. I know that you have worked in a variety of threat hunting roles. Your journey is ins- interesting and inspiring when I first uh, spoke with you. So can you walk us through your journey as to how did you enter cybersecurity and eventually into threat modeling? All right. Uh, so you said threat hunting and threat modeling. So I just want to call out. Uh-huh. Um, based on terminology, there are two different activities, right? So okay. threat modeling. Uh, It's something that we do when we are designing a new system or something that we do as part of a secure development lifecycle. It is done typically before a release of an application or a product. Mm -hmm. What is threat hunting is actively looking for threats that have already entered your system or rather your network uh, Mm -hmm. by uh, overcoming your endpoint security measures. So threat hunting is mostly related to your network and looking for threats who have already entered and currently doing something. Threat right. modeling is more like part of your SDL uh, before your release activity. So that that is the major difference between them. But otherwise, it's both just looking for threats. Um, uh, yeah, so you could call, say it's the same thing, but the flavors are different. That's, True. that's Agreed. Okay. And uh, thank you so much for calling out because uh, I think a lot of people do have this kind of yeah. confusion between similar terminologies, right? Since the uh, field itself is maturing right now, um, there are different terminologies that come up and there's a very fine line between uh, every definition. And uh, I think today, I think I, I have a clarity about <laughs> the difference and thank you so much for clarifying that. No problem. So um, how has your journey been so far? Can you like walk us through as to how has your journey been into cybersecurity? Okay, this is like a really long ago journey, right? Like um, it's taken me a while to get here. So I started my journey in um, 2006 of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was just out of college and I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to be out of college and get into a tech company, mm-hmm. uh, which was my childhood dream. And I got into the tech company and um, I uh, you know, did my typical training for the few months that they gave initial training mm-hmm. and went on the floor to join a development team. Um, I realized, okay, now I'm a developer and I'm trying to write code, uh, mm-hmm. which frankly back then was not great. It was... Uh, C, C++, um, and I was also creating some web applications, etc. Initially, it was cool um, it, because I was learning how web apps work, all of that. So it, it, it was cool. Uh, and I was also writing protocols for routers and switches. Uh, but I could not envision myself doing this uh, over a long period of time, right? 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, I could not think of doing it. 
the same thing. Even if you changed your domain, you know, maybe you're building something else, something new. I couldn't really think of doing this, uh, at least back then. So I thought about what next, there should be something else that I should be doing. And I went and spoke to my manager. Mm -hmm. uh, so back then there was no security roles or security engineering roles, etc. She said, okay, maybe if this is not working out for you, um, uh, let's try the uh, testing role. She gave me a uh, testing role and I was writing functional test cases and writing um, actually performing test cases. So it was like uh, I, I did development for, uh, let's say, about six months and more. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to the testing role. I was writing test cases and it seemed all right. That, honestly, back then, there were even no automation tools for testing, right? Okay, you had test suites where you could write test cases, right. but to run test cases, there wasn't really anything. But uh, I was enjoying breaking things. So I thought, okay, maybe it's fine. Mm. But still, I was like, okay, again, this is not something that I want to do all my life, right? But fortunately for me, I used to read a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing in the morning at work, I used to go open up all of these websites and read if and all of that was a big deal back then. Nice. Uh, my manager used to really hate me for doing this. <laughs> like you spent so much time reading uh, all of this unnecessary news, but it was like a habit and I had to read it and I still do it, right? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I log in, I read security news. So I was reading then and I read something about a cross-site scripting attack, which was not very well known. And then one thing led to another and I realized there was something called as the OWASP top 10, which was which had just come out in 2003. And I looked at the OWASP top 10, I really liked what it was. And then uh, again, fortunately for me, uh, I did have a lot of friends and my network was good. So I was talking to somebody and said, I wish my company did this, you know, I could right. um, join this team, etc. So they told me that there is actually such a team. Uh, but it's not really a revenue generating uh, business or nothing of that sort. It's just a small team. If you right. want, I can introduce you. So I got that introduction and uh, this person uh, who was the leader for this team was happy um, that somebody was actively trying to join cybersecurity because uh, at least back then, nobody really wanted to do it because they thought the opportunities were lesser and they also right. thought it was probably difficult and no scope for it, at, at least in India. Uh, so I went and spoke to him. He said, okay, you got to clear so and so many rounds of interviews. And if you do, you're in. So I said, okay, I, I'll do that, obviously. So I went and uh, read up OWASP top 10, which was easy. I thought, okay, this is going to be so cool. Uh, but then he also told me that's going to be hands-on, right? So it meant that I needed to replicate what OWASP top 10 was uh, trying to uh, say. So that when that's when it sort of got difficult for me, right? Because the language, I, I, I was not used to that kind of security language yet. It was all new to me. So I, I had downloaded WebGoat and I was trying to do simple stuff, right? Like cross-site scripting, SQL injection, those kind of things. And those by themselves took a long while to learn, but I did eventually. And then I cleared the interview and that's when I joined that team. Uh, it was a small team. Uh, it was not uh, really anything big like these days. And uh, yeah, that's how I started my cybersecurity journey by uh, keeping my eyes open and uh, um, thinking, uh, you know, wondering what is that really calls out to me and what is that I want to do. Uh, once I started investing and learning in it, I realized, okay, this is something that I can imagine myself doing for the rest of my life. And uh, that's what led me to here. It's amazing, right? Like when I hear your journey into cybersecurity, one thing we constantly speak on the show is also right persistence and the willingness to learn. Cybersecurity requires that because of the kind of work we do, right? It's very inspiring to hear your story because it, it comes from your own curiosity. If you want to join 
cybersecurity or any field, right? So as a threat uh, modeling service owner, right, uh, what does your typical day look like? All right. So uh, it, it means that I'm trying to innovate something or working on an existing plan for innovation, mm-hmm. um, which could mean that I'm trying to uh, work with, uh, we have a working group, it's just not me, right? So mm-hmm. the working group is getting together and trying to talk about um, how we can uh, make this threat library up to date, uh, what kind of new threats that we can add so that it's uh, um, so every team uh, in the organization has access to it and every team is can relate to the threats to their systems, right? It shouldn't look like, what are these threats? My system does not even understand these threats. I don't have these technological components. So identifying what are the latest technologies, um, uh, how we can get uh, uh, threats related to this into our database, mm-hmm. uh, ensuring that it's constantly updated, ensuring that it is constantly rolled out to our teams, uh, ensuring that all of our uh, products and our, uh, applications in the system, they run up to thousands, right? So they are uh, continuously doing threat modeling. What are the what are their challenges? What does it look like? Uh, hear out to them, have a continuous feedback loop, um, address these challenges, create a roadmap uh, for innovation mm-hmm. and train all of these new people because there's constantly churn of people, right? Somebody's today a security champion and tomorrow might not be wanting to do that role. Maybe we have somebody new who's joined the role. Constantly train people. And even if I train today somebody for threat modeling, three months down the line, they again want training because uh, you do take a while to get that sort of experience, right? right? So so my day typically is divided between innovation, um, um, building what is already existing, Mm -hmm. uh, feedback, communication loop, and trainings and planning for that, all of these things. So that's what my day looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. But I personally like to keep my hands dirty mm-hmm. so that I'm in touch with technology right. and not away from it. Right. Uh, so I also engage with product, some product teams, right? Not all of them. Right. Uh, and I look at their design and um, uh, try to give feedback and all of that so that I know what are these evolving designs, what, what do they look like, especially right. in terms of uh, data protection domain, all of that, right? So I, I get an idea of what things are like, what are the latest technologies, etc. So right. I try to... Uh, keep in touch with these teams and get on to their design discussions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's what my team looks like. Amazing. To be frank, one thing I've realized when it comes to um, the higher roles into cybersecurity is that you enjoy both technical as well as, you know, uh, yeah. non-technical things as well. I think it's the technical that got us here, right? So we right. tend to <laughs> we tend to focus on the non-technical as we grow higher. Uh, but I think it's important to retain that technical aspect of it because... I've seen some um, organizations have non-security folks as their leaders. Uh, and I think that's that's where gaps arise in processes, et cetera. You don't know how to translate your process into something that can add value, or you don't know how to make best use of your technical expertise in your organization, et cetera. Right? So they, they create gaps. I think um, leaders who can understand the technical aspects of security uh, are really important. Agreed. I know that you worked in penetration testing and then eventually yeah. different roles and right now you're in threat modeling, right? Uh, and I know that you do advocate for application security. So I'm just a little interested to know as to what is the difference between penetration testing, application security, threat modeling. So 
how are these connected or disconnected people look at pen testing and threat modeling as two separate activities right yeah i mean at the top of it it might look like they're separate activities but i think okay. they do tie tie back to each other i will let you know okay. um so uh, when we talk about application security right so it, it's the complete uh, security aspect of a given product system application whatever you might want to call it for example an e-commerce platform let's say it's an application so the end to end from a user logging into how you're storing your data how you're doing your vendor management all of that all of these aspects the security of this would fall under application security right mm -hmm. and application security by itself has other um, subsections or areas like threat modeling, like pen testing, mm -hmm. uh, like static code analysis reviews, like uh, VAPT analysis. So mm -hmm. a lot more other areas to application security. The minute you add a firewall, IDS, IPS, and bring it, bring an entire network, it becomes uh, network security also alongside your typical application. So that is application security for you. Okay. Threat modeling is like the first thing that you would do with app security, right? So you okay. are trying to think about a design for a new product or application and your design is finalized, maybe the draft is ready. That's when you start looking at the security aspects of it, right? right? So, okay, um, okay, what are the different rules that I need? How do I need multi-factor authentication? Mm -hmm. uh, what sort of... Uh, uh, special considerations do I need with respect to access controls, um, etc. Not when I talk about design, people always uh, talk about authentication and authorization, mm -hmm. but not necessarily. Fine. Maybe you can talk about where you want to store your data, how you want Fine. to protect it, what uh, privacy considerations that you want to have, the kind of encryption that you want to use. Do you want to use hashing or mm -hmm. encryption, certificate authentication or OAuth? So all of that, there's so many considerations, right? So you get True. to talk about all of that. Uh, that would be secure design. Mm -hmm. principles applying to your system and then doing a threat modeling where you would be looking at the system and trying to understand uh, what are the different threats that could apply to your existing design like a threat okay. analysis itself at each uh, surface point where an attacker could get in uh, mm -hmm. at an attack surface and also at a protect surface right where uh, what is that you're trying to protect what is your crown jewel in terms of mm -hmm. the application so what could go wrong there in terms of confidentiality, integrity, or availability. So that is what is threat modeling. Mm -hmm. uh, some people might look at it as a manual activity. Yes, it can be done manually. Uh, right. There are tools to do it in an automated fashion, mm -hmm. like the Microsoft Threat Modeling tool. We also have a lot of commercial tools like Threat Modeler, Iris Risk, all of that now. Mm -hmm. So anything to do with the verification of your design is threat right. modeling. Okay. And pen testing is like when you built your system and after you've written your code, compiled all of it, you've done your threat modeling, you've done your static code analysis review. At the end, you want to do see if everything's working as intended, right? Okay. So that is your penetration testing. It could be a black box where you hardly know anything about the system mm -hmm. and just have the URL and try to break into it. Or, you know, some things about the system because you want to save time and mm -hmm. then try to break into the system. So that is penetration testing typically at the end. But uh, organizations, right? I mean, at least mature organizations, security organizations, the threat modeling output feeds into the input of penetration testing activity. Mm -hmm. So if I was a pen tester, I would mm -hmm. first ask for your threat modeling report. I would look at your threat modeling report. I would look at 
okay, this is what the design looks like. This is how the data flows. These are the different processes, components. Mm -hmm. I know what are my, the attack surfaces and where I should focus on based on your threat modeling results. So okay. they do tie back to each other. They all fall under application security, mm -hmm. but they're done at different phases in the development lifecycle. That, that is perfect. It is totally helpful. Thank you so much. So what skills are needed for anyone who aspires to join threat modeling uh, teams? At least from based on my journey, uh, I, I can say that being a penetration tester is really helpful because uh, you know how to break into systems, right? So you know how to use tools, uh, write payloads, uh, use metas metasploit, exploits, all of that. Um, so it's, it's a great way to know how something can be broken, right? Yeah. So you're using that knowledge to look at a design and say, this can be broken this way. Mm -hmm. The best thing is you don't have to invest all of that time, effort and hard work into actually writing the payloads, doing recon, all of that, and then trying to break into the system. You, you can just look at it and say, oh, there's there's probably a gap here and I can use uh, so-and-so things to get into the system here. Mm -hmm. So that gives you that leverage, that um, uh, understanding that somebody who's not done pen testing uh, would understand. Right. So, so if, if I told somebody, no, you're, you, uh, you're using so-and-so encryption and I, I can break it, right. They'll be like, no, how can you break it? I don't think right. I can break it because I'm using encryption. They don't know even weak encryption can be broken, right. Uh, okay. They don't have a practical understanding or have never tried it with their own hands. So I think being a penetration tester uh, gives that uh, advantage like nothing else right so i think that's that being a pen tester is a great start to uh, getting to be a threat modeling expert but having said that uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people in the industry don't always come from a pen testing background mm -hmm. uh, they're people who probably architects who did security architecture who understand um, theoretical aspects of where uh, threat and uh, threats could um, get into your system etc and still do threat modeling it's not that they cannot do threat modeling right. uh, but, I, but I personally believe the best experience comes from when you're a pen tester like is there a minimum amount of experience required to enter the teams um, or can even students who are coming into the industry can also apply to these roles ah okay so I, I, I mean, it's an industry problem, right? Cyber security by itself is not an entry-level uh, right. role. Mm -hmm. I've rarely seen uh, anybody with, uh, you know, who's just come out of college, unless they have like a master's in cyber security or done some sort of internship. Right. It's very rare. Uh, so threat modeling right away after college, I don't think so. It's possible. Mm -hmm. Having spent some time in, say, even a development organization where you understand how development happens, what, what does the life cycle look like? How do you design a product? If you've had exposure to that, if you can speak that terminology mm -hmm. and you can understand typical design patterns, etc., I think that's a good start. Um, right. and so same goes if you have had pen testing experience and talk security terminology, all of that is a great start. So right. having spent like about five years or so uh, is a good time to test waters with threat modeling. Okay. See, I, I've seen people do threat modeling before that, right? I mean, there's a misconception that you draw a diagram and you're done with threat modeling. That, right. That's a misconception, right? What, mm -hmm. what point is a diagram, right? It's not a documentation right. activity. 
-hmm. trying to get some information out of it. Right. Um, so I, people draw this diagram and Microsoft tool, they spend six hours trying to beautify it and like, oh, wow, this diagram looks so good and all of that. But right. that's it. They don't look right. at the results. They don't know what to do with the results. So if somebody right. without the background of security terminology or without understanding design aspects, etc., starts doing threat modeling, I think they'll fail to capture the value that threat modeling provides. Right. And they might look at it as a documentation activity. So I, I recommend it not to be like a um, entry level thing. Yeah. Well, it makes sense uh, of the kind of job or the kind of responsibility it holds, right? So yeah. it makes sense of what you just said. Are any certifications required to acquire the required skills that you've uh, mentioned? And uh, what are the certifications recruiters look out for while hiring someone from threat modeling for threat modeling teams? Uh, at least in India, right? Um, mm -hmm. CEH is a big deal. Currently, mm -hmm. it's version 12. So you might say you're a CISSP and then people will okay. still be like, no, I want a CEH, <laughs> right? Oh, okay. uh, so recruiters only understand CEH. So it's, if you want to get into the cybersecurity field, I think it's a great start to get a CEH certification. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not, I mean, yes, it's a learning aspect if you invest time in it and learn everything that's called out there right. uh, i think is learning it's a learning aspect too and it gives you that leverage the recruiters look for that certification it's but i would say it's more for the recruiters than your own learning right so right. Uh, you can get that certification and get into the field um i uh, i had a ch certificate but that was much later in the mm -hmm. cycle because one of my clients wanted a certificate uh, because only then they would uh, give right. my visa letter or something like that, right? So right. that was the only reason I did it. But I honestly don't think um, certifications are the way to learn mm -hmm. or uh, garner your knowledge in cybersecurity. That's certainly not it. Mm -hmm. um, as an industry, for some reason, we so dependent on certifications okay. uh, because probably there's no way of saying that okay this person is really good at security yet right there's no way to uh... right. so CH is a good start um, CISSP after five years of experience if you're willing to pay for it etc and you need to pay an annual fee to keep it uh, up and running right. I don't have a CISSP because I don't want to pay for it right. um, so yeah so that's the thing and there are a lot of SANS certification Right. I think companies have this thing, right? Every year you need to train so many people. Right. Uh, so if your company is into it, you would get some SANS vouchers and you can take those exams. So I think right. yeah, these are the certifications. That helps. That totally helps. So um, how are the opportunities for women in the field of cybersecurity, especially for technical roles, right? Such as pen testing or, or in threat modeling? I think uh, the number of people in our industry is so also less right i mean we have a skill gap nobody is really looking at uh, the gender right if it's a lady or right. he she or whoever right nobody is looking at the gender as such so there are always opportunities it's, it's a great field to be in mm -hmm. um, but for some reason i've seen a lot of women be in technical program roles i think it's good to be in uh, positions where you can drive strategy uh, manage things deliver something it's all great but uh, technical aspects i i see the numbers are lower uh, i'm not sure why um, i don't really understand the reason as to why because i don't think it's any different from 
right. any other role that you would be doing, right? I mean, I see um, architects and teams, they, they are doing, building cutting edge products, amazing innovative solutions. If, if you can be an architect, you can be a cybersecurity expert too. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a general misconception that uh, uh, cybersecurity is very hectic. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can be hectic, uh, depending upon the situation. Example, the log 4J happened yeah. and everybody, you know, were on their knees trying to find out how many of our apps uh, are vulnerable here. And that obviously that takes time and effort. So it's like, it's not going to be a straight line. Some days you're going to be busy. Yes. And maybe some days uh, your team knows that you spend that time doing that log 4J work. So right. next week, maybe a little slower. So yeah. you take this week slow, the coming week, um, you know, maybe busy. So it's it's not like a straightforward thing saying that it's always going to be busy. You're going to have your hectic days and, you know, low days. So it's it's okay. I think it's doable. Uh, uh, maybe it's a misconception that it's really hectic that keeps women away from technical roles in cybersecurity. But I don't see any reason why uh, women should not be part of these technical roles in cybersecurity. It's the most interesting thing and uh, I'm sure women are really naturally good at it. So I think it's right. it works for them. So they should really try it. I agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, to conclude, right? What advice would you give to someone um, who's aspiring to enter cybersecurity field? Okay. Yeah. So I think self-learning is a really important aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also... Uh, self-introspection is really important. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to get into the field of cybersecurity is important, right? Because a lot of people think it's glamorous, it's fun out there because you hear people doing a lot of talks or attending conferences, which maybe other roles don't get to do. Right. Uh, so they think it's quite glamorous and it's like, hey, I want to do that. This person's getting a lot of attention. I want to travel like this, et cetera, et cetera. It's, 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 it's a good thing. The reason's yeah. fine. But if, if it's just because of it looks glamorous and looks like fun, I think you're there for the wrong reasons. It is also hard work behind the scenes. Uh, so you need to learn to stay put. Uh, it's going to take a while. It's not something that you start and see results right away. Uh, it'll take 10 years of hard work uh, to be an immediate success. Um, so, so you need to have that vision for the long term and know this is a marathon that you're running and can't see right. results instantly. So invest that time. Uh, firstly, you know, introspect for what reasons you want to be here and be ready to invest that time and know that there's hard work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, it's easy to get... Uh, there's so many different roles, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's it's good to try all of the roles to understand which ones you like best. Uh, but after a given point, you need to understand what you resonate with, what is your calling and pick that as your uh, area of expertise and uh, build on it, right? We all should have breadth of cybersecurity experience, but we also need to have one or two uh, items uh, that we can say is our depth and where we are the subject matter expertise. Uh, so it's important to do that. And above all, get a mentor because it's easy to get lost and it's very difficult to navigate this uh, ever evolving ecosystem right so get a mentor um, and I think things should be much better and smooth after that such good advice Ashwini thank you so much for joining Cyber Trooper and it's been a pleasure talking to you and I personally Same have gained a lot of insight today so um, thanks again for everything thank you thank you for talking to me yeah